Hey, party animals. This is the Four String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch. No Skyler due to uh, technical issues. Something about his, like, vibrator short-circuited his entire apartment. I'm not entirely sure what happened. But um, we are talking NFL Week 12 in review, Week 13 look ahead, and where the playoffs stand. Now, we had our three Thanksgiving games. We're not going to cover all of them, but let's hop right into the game that I predicted was going to be the closest, and turns out Brady was right. And that's the Buffalo Bills narrowly beating out the Detroit Lions to become the first team to win back-to-back games at Ford Field uh, since 2017. But, um, I, you know, Mitch, I believe your exact words were that Buffalo was going to spank Detroit, something along those lines. Um and yet the Bills only pull off a three-point last-second win against the Lions. What were your thoughts on Buffalo versus Detroit? Um, Yeah, they definitely played it close. Uh, typical uh, Dan Campbell style. Definitely a lot closer than I thought initially going into this game just because, uh, you know, with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis going against the Lions secondary, which I feel like has been a real weakness for them. But, hey, they're able to do a pretty good job in keeping uh, all the wide receivers under 100 yards. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jared Goff, I think, had a really solid game. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I feel like really came back to the, the guy that we're kind of seeing earlier in the year before he kind of – you know, fell under the radar a little bit, whether that was due to injuries or, you know, just some quiet games. But, yeah, uh, Detroit uh, played, like, how they've been kind of typical under Dan Campbell, just very hard-nosed team. And, you know, with Buffalo coming off some rough games, uh, they almost fell into the trap. But, you know, unfortunately, talent uh, saw through to them getting the win, even though, you know, they lost Von Miller in the process. Yeah, and that's... That's a big, that's a crushing blow. Now, Von Miller has come out and said it's not a season ender, and he's he could be back before the regular season actually ends, let alone the playoffs. But Buffalo is in a tight race in in the AFC East. Them and them and Miami are neck and neck, and the Jets and the Patriots are not too far behind. This this was supposed to kind of be a get right game for Buffalo. We saw him, you know, beat Cleveland. Uh, pretty steadily uh, last week. And, and this is a game against a four-win Detroit team. This this should have been a blow-over win. But again, Josh Allen throws an untimely pick. They have a hard time running the ball with anybody not named Josh Allen. He gets the, uh, Buffalo actually loses the sack battle. When uh, and and I have to give mad props to the um to the uh the guy that Detroit had signed literally that day. James Houston, uh, the 24-year-old out of Jackson State, the dude hadn't played an NFL snap, walks into that game and against one of the best quarterbacks in the league, has not won but two sacks. Um, he he okay. played great. And, yeah, you absolutely did. And, again, I, I keep saying this every time I bring up Detroit, but Detroit is proving to be an extremely successful team, and they're not getting anything out of DeAndre Swift. In that game, he had nine touches for 43 yards, and yet Detroit – barely loses that football game you know Stefan Diggs it's easy to look at his stats and go okay eight catches 77 yards and a touchdown he burned Detroit he was targeted 15 times like all Buffalo could do in a lot of instances was throw the ball at Stefan Diggs 
And Detroit and that secondary that has taken a lot of flack this year held their own. They weren't able to pull off the win because, you know, Josh Allen is just a quarterback. You know, uh, he's just a great player all in all. But this this is, again, this is just more promising signs for Detroit. You do all this without really having a, a fully effective DeAndre Swift. And you're going to be getting Jamison Williams at any point this season. You know, a, a, a guy who we all said may have been the top, the best wide receiver in last year's draft class who only fell as far as he did because he was hurt. And so now the possibility of getting him to end your season. Oh, and by the way, you also have the Rams first round draft pick, which every single week looks better and better. Hey, that's, that's pretty solid for Detroit. Um, Let's move on here and let's talk about uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers losing in overtime to Jacoby Brissett and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, We're going to get Deshaun Watson and his first appearance next week. Uh, or this upcoming week against the Houston Texans, I know. But we talked at the beginning of the season, Jacoby Brissett's job was to win as many games as possible until Deshaun Watson got there so that you could try to get this team in a playoff position. The likelihood of the playoffs is slim to none at this point for Cleveland. But you have to give Jacoby Brissett a big round of applause for pulling off a tough win against his old mentor and Tom Brady. Uh Mitch, what stood out to you in that in that uh, uh, really solid win for Cleveland? And despite losing, still number one uh, team in the NFC South, uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, I was really surprised because I thought after that Seattle game and having the bye, I really thought they turned the corner just because of what we saw out of Rashad White. It looked like they finally got something going in the tight end game with a guy like Kate Otten. But when coming against the Cleveland Browns, who haven't been as good as Seattle has been at points this year, uh, you know, the running game kind of wasn't really there. I mean, Rashad White, 14 carries, 64 yards, averaging, you know, under five yards a carry. Uh, outside of Kokef, uh getting that touchdown, nothing from your tight end position. So they really just kind of reverted to what we're seeing during those losses. And, you know, they lost because of it. Um, you know, Nick Chubb was able to be himself and have a pretty solid day. Um, you know, Jacoby Brissett was able to get it going. And even though it's not like, holy shit, he put some amazing, fantastic stats on, you know, he was decent. He did the job and got it done. Um, so it's just really disheartening. And, you know, Todd's Bowles comments about the game after it, it's really hard to feel good about uh, Tampa Bay going forward this season. Um, and they're probably going to get in the playoffs just because the rest of the division just sucks and somebody has to win. And fortunately that's Tampa Bay. Yeah. I mean, what I'll say though is, is Tampa Bay's upcoming weeks here are not by any stretch of the imagination easy, right? You've got an upcoming game against the saints who, Oh, by the way, you barely beat earlier in the season because of how good your defense was where your defense just kind of got slashed. Um, but then after that, You've got San Francisco and Cincinnati who are two teams that are poised to make the playoffs. I mean, San Francisco hasn't given up a second half point since week eight. Cincinnati's looked great. Um, you close the season with Arizona, Carolina, Atlanta. But right now, Mitch, we who would have thunk at the beginning of the season that we could be walking into a week 18 matchup of Tampa Bay at Atlanta. Winner goes to the playoffs as a winner of the NFC South, because right now that's what it's shaping up to be, you know, Um it's it, it's crazy um, for 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 Cleveland. 
listen, you've got a formula and it works really well. Give the fucking ball to Nick Chubb. 26 uh, carries, 116 yards and a touchdown um, to go with uh, one catch for 16 yards. Amari Cooper has kind of just hidden under the radar this season. And I think a large part of it is because um, uh, of that, uh, 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 you know, they don't have a premier quarterback right now in Jacoby Brissett, but he's 13th in the league in yards. He's tied for fourth in touchdowns. Um, he's had, he's had an absolutely fantastic season and, and so is David and Joku in a lot of ways. Um, but Cleveland's doing just enough to, you know, to win a couple of games defensively. They got the three sacks that you need, but here's, here's an interesting statistic for you. When targeting Chris Godwin or Rashad white in that game, Tom Brady, 21 of 22. When targeting Cameron Brait and Mike Evans, four of 13 passing. Nine of Tom Brady's uh, 14 incompletions came when targeting those two guys. So Cleveland knew what the matchup was. And even though they got torched by Chris Godwin, they hammered in on Mike Evans, knew that if I take one away, I can I can harass Tom Brady. They got three sacks. I can force him into some bad decisions. Um, and and they did, and Cleveland ends up pulling off a a really big win um, uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, let's head on down to a game that that kind of isn't on anybody's radar, given how bad these two teams have been. But the Denver Broncos lose to the Carolina Panthers. Denver falls to three and eight. Carolina moves on to four and eight. And hey, folks, don't look now, but Carolina is only a game and a half out of the NFC South lead, which is fucking crazy given that they fired matt rule in what week three week four something like that um yeah sounds about right but they're right in there uh sam darnold you know didn't look like a first round pick but he looked better than russell wilson did in that game 11 of 19 a buck 64 and a touchdown mitch what stood out to you in denver versus carolina it's just kind of funny that carolina made all these moves for quarterbacks trying to upgrade the position and it looks like, hey, maybe they should have just stuck with Sam Darnold. Yeah, maybe Matt um, Rule was the problem all along. <laughs> yeah, because Sam Darnold's definitely looked like they're uh, the best guy at the position. Uh, you know, he had a solid day. Uh, he was able to allow DJ Moore to show why he's such a special. Uh, Deontay Foreman keeps reminding people, hey, uh, you know, I'm a starting running back in this league. Um, and he just proves it week in and week out. Um and then the defense uh, for them just continues to show out. Um, very underrated, uh, but, you know, playing in Carolina and being a 4-18, and 18, you know, not a lot of people are going to say, hey, you have a great defense. Um, and then just kind of on the flip side of, you know, Denver, um, you know, this should have been a game they should have been able to win just given the talent that they have defensively where it's a top-10 defense and – you know, even though offensively hasn't gone their way, they still have the talent and should have been able to win this game. But, you know, Russell Wilson, I don't know what's happening to him. Um, you know, from the reports of today, it looks like he's just slowly becoming Bo Callahan with having half the team code his birthday and half the team not. Um, you know, there's been reports of him losing the locker room. Uh, yeah, it's just very dysfunctional. And it looks like it's just not going to get good anytime soon. And it doesn't matter what team they're playing. Um, so yeah, dark days in Denver, but it looks like maybe Carolina's, you know, finally, uh, getting to some good stuff. And like you said, with how the division's been going, who knows, maybe Carolina puts some strings, some wins together and they're the ones who make the playoffs for their division. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not out of the possibility. As it stands right now, Carolina's only got one more game against a team who's got an above 500 record, and that's this upcoming uh, week against against Seattle, or two weeks from now, I'm sorry, against Seattle. Uh, Carolina's got a bye week uh, here this week. Um, so they have time to get right. And, and, you know, if Carolina can finish the season nine and eight with the way we've seen the NFC, who knows um, how, how it all works out. For Denver, I just, I can't quite wrap my head around this team. Um, you cut Melvin Gordon, who's your leading rusher. Props to you. You gave the ball to Latavius Murray and it worked out. 13 carries, 92 yards. But 35 passes, 19 rushes. Uh, 125 passing yards when you take out the sack yardage, 142 when you include it. Where Where's Jerry Judy? Is he hurt that I'm just not aware of? Because I have not heard anything from Jerry Judy this entire season. Um, your, what, your second, third round pick in Greg Dolchich um, has been kind of non-existent. Your only offensive weapon right now really seems to be Cortland Sutton because you traded Noah Fantaway, who's having a great season. Albert Okwugbanam, who was supposed to be the guy that takes over for you, he's he's been a non-factor this entire year. Russell Wilson looks awful. Now, granted, they've had, uh, I think, uh, seven projected starters at the beginning of the year are on IR. They've had like 26 different guys on IR or who are currently on IR. No team has been marred by injury more than Denver. But but we've seen this story with Russell Wilson, and he's been able to pull off great seasons. Uh, <clears throat> I think the issue is, is that Seattle just swindled Denver into picking up a 33-year-old quarterback, paying him some $30 million-plus a year, um, who's just not very good. I, I think that's just at the end of the day what it is. I think maybe we're seeing once and for all that kind of unlike the Bill Belichick-Tom Brady debate that, yeah, Pete Carroll is a much better coach than Russell Wilson is a quarterback. And maybe it was Russell Wilson riding on the laurels of Pete Carroll as a, as a, uh, as, uh, as opposed to vice versa, you know, um, for Carolina, Sam Darnold didn't have a great day. Didn't have a bad day. Didn't turn the ball over. And that's what matters. Um, having a one, two punch of Dante Foreman and Chubba Hubbard is looking really good. Those two guys went for 41 carries, 178 yards rushing. That's, those are really solid numbers all in all. Their longest run of the day was only 19 yards. So Carolina stuck with the running game, 46 called run plays to 19 called passes, um, you know, pulled out play action when they needed to. And when they needed to, who was there? But DJ Moore, four catches for 103 yards and a touchdown to go with a very good defense. There's things to like about Carolina. There's things to be really excited about Carolina. And I think that if this team can gather some momentum heading into the offseason, there's, you know, Carolina can become a more attractive job than maybe it was when they fired Matt Rule, you know. Um, but let's move on here and let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars pulling off the last second upset of the Baltimore Ravens. Now, here's an interesting factoid for you, Mitch. The Baltimore Ravens are the only team in NFL history to uh, or sorry are one of only five teams in NFL history to have a third to have a lead heading into the fourth quarter in all 11 games of their season of the five teams four of them were 11 and 0 in those 11 games Baltimore is 7 and 4 as once again they blow a fourth quarter lead 
They were up 12 to 10 at the start of the fourth quarter, and they were up 27 to 20 with about two minutes left in the game as the Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug, look at the balls on me, Peterson, goes for a two-point conversion to win the game. What stood out to you as Jacksonville picks up their fourth win and hands Baltimore their fourth loss of the season? I mean, it was just kind of a sloppy performance by Baltimore. I mean, you can't put the ball on the ground three times uh, between Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson, I think Mark Andrews too. Yeah, that sounds about right Um, with those fumbles. Um, And the defense, you know, kind of went back to where it was kind of iffy during the season. Uh, Not a great performance by them, Um, especially with kind of how one-dimensional the Jacksonville was. I mean, without Trayvon, Travis Entian, uh, you know, wasn't really having much action and they really didn't have a really good rusher. I mean, they only had uh, 30 rushing yards total. Uh, so, you know, you know what they're going to do. They were going to pass the ball with Trevor Lawrence and, you know, he was able to take advantage of that uh, with how the secondary has been on and off this year for Baltimore. Zay Jones looking like a fantastic underrated uh, 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 pickup for them. Um, and then you combine with, that with the Marvin Jones touchdown, which was amazing how he's able to get two feet in um, to really put them over that, you know, I'm really happy for the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, especially for Doug Peterson. I think he's a great guy, obviously a former Packer. So got to love him um, what he's able to do. And I'm glad he's back on a team and doing well. And I'm glad that Trevor Lawrence finally is a head coach and he's able to show why he was the number one overall pick with, you know, 29 of 37, 321 yards, uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So I'm just really happy for them. But yeah, bad day by Baltimore. Yeah, a really bad day by Baltimore. Here's here's what I'll say. Um, first off, Baltimore really misses J.K. Dobbins, and, and they're hoping to get him back here soon. Um, he was elevated to uh, off of IR. He should hopefully be playing this end stretch. And Baltimore is not in panic mode yet. They've got a one-game lead over Cincinnati with a tiebreaker and one more matchup left on the season between the two. But Lamar Jackson, he's got to play. He's just got to play better. Simple as that. Statistically, it's easy to get lulled by Lamar Jackson. And trust me, as his fantasy owner, it's very easy to get lulled by the play of Lamar Jackson. Um, But 16 of 32, 254 yards and a touchdown you got you just simply got to play better than that you can't be 50 percent passing now he added 14 carries for 89 yards but he's got to be more accurate this is a team that's been plagued by drops lamar's had overthrows he's had underthrows he's missed reads he hasn't set his feet with each passing week the, the, the fact that the Ravens didn't trade for a wide receiver or haven't brought in a wide receiver really to assist that offense outside of Deshaun Jackson hurts more and more. Because even though you got Mark Andrews back, he drops a touchdown, he has a fumble. Um, Deshaun Jackson is, is only good for a couple of catches a game and maybe a big play. But with the injuries you've had to guys like Rashad Bateman, with the fact that Devin Duvernay has pretty much fallen off the face of the earth outside of the first five weeks of the season. Um, you you have to find a way to get more production from your, from your pass catchers. And whether that means that you've got to run more plays with Isaiah likely, or you've got to get more passes designed to halfbacks like Kenyon Drake or Gus Edwards, or again, once JK Dobbins comes back, I, I don't know what it is. Baltimore is a very good team, 
but offensively they have issues and defensively they have liabilities. This is a Baltimore team that if they go up against Cleveland or not Cleveland, uh, Kansas city or Cincinnati or Buffalo, it's hard for me to believe that Baltimore is going to pull off that win outside of a Herculean performance out of, outside of or from Lamar Jackson. Now, if they get the chargers or if they get um, new England or if they get Cincinnati, yeah, Baltimore has got a very good shot, but but there's a very large gap between the the best teams in uh, the AFC and the worst teams, in, or, and not the worst teams, and the middle of the road other playoff contending teams in uh, in the AFC. And right now, Baltimore has the opportunity to move up into that top shelf, but you know, losses to Buffalo, losses to Miami, that you know, this fourth quarter uh, blown lead against Jacksonville, they all kind of paint a different picture for the uh for the ravens there um let's wrap up a here. question for you before yeah. we move on yeah yeah go ahead uh about baltimore so if you're ernie DeCosta, gm uh, going into next year <coughs> do you bank on jk dobbins getting you healthy and just kind of rolling that as your main running back or do you kind of look at it and be like okay in his first couple of seasons he's shown that the guy's just not available no fault of his own, it's just injury. Um, and do you kind of look like, like, hey, there's a guy like Bijan Robinson in this draft, and you pair that with how Lamar Jackson plays? Uh, you know, I think he should be the, our starter, or you get Jamar Gibbs from Alabama, or you get the Texas AM kid. Do you think you kind of go that route, or do you just kind of say, hey, I think J.K. Dobbins can get it healthy and let's roll with that? Because I don't know. Um, if I'm Ernie Acosta, I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers approach to the halfback position, which is you can never have too many of them because for all the guys you mentioned available in the draft, let me run you through a list of upcoming free agent running backs, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, David Montgomery, Kareem Hunt, Jamal Williams, Damian Harris, Jeff Wilson, Jr. Devin Singletary, Raheem Mostert, Rashad Penny to name a couple. Right now, not all those guys are going to end up hitting the market, but if I'm, if I'm Baltimore, listen, if I feel like JK Dobbins can be healthy, great. I'll bring him back. And if he earns his spot to be number one, if he can stay healthy, great. But if I'm Baltimore and I've got, you know, a a mid second round pick and B. John Robinson is still there or some of these other guys available in the draft, Jameer Gibbs, Tajay Spears, um, it's going to be hard for me not to pull the trigger and take a halfback. If I'm Baltimore with how much you invest in that running game, I think having as large of a talent pool at that halfback position is vitally important for you as a team. So I I would go with both. I would draft and I'd go out and try to sign a free agent running back and I'd keep J.K. Dobbins around. Because a three-headed monster like that in a in an option-style offense where you're already normally running with two halfbacks out there or a halfback and a fullback, that's pretty tough to stop in an AFC that we can all kind of agree has much better offenses than the NFC does, but in a lot of ways has much worse defenses than the NFC does. Um, so that's, that's what I would do in that situation. What about you? Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I would try to replace J.K. Dobbins just because of the availability thing, and I think it's really hurt them. Um, you know, 
Gus Edwards, Kenyon Drake, I think they're fantastic options, but I don't think they should be the guys getting the majority of the carries. I think you do need a guy who's going to get a lot of the carries and be that focal point like Jake Ch- Ch- Dobbins was supposed to do just so Lamar Jackson doesn't have to run it for, let's see, 14 times this game and risk getting hurt just because of the play style um, and to be that focal point. So then uh, Gus Edwards and Ken and Drake can flash in those uh, limited opportunities and kind of be more of a running back uh, stable. And I think it's really hurt them. So getting a guy like Bijan Robinson who just oozes talent um, I think would be a boon for them. Um, and I do get the whole point with the running back uh, free agent class. But, I mean, Josh Jacobs is going to be looking for a lot of money. Tony, Tony Pollard is going to be looking for a lot of money. So I think he might want to go the cheaper route and try to get one of those guys in the draft and give them that rookie contract. Oh, sure. There, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, there's also going to be guys on that list who are good halfbacks who maybe aren't going to get good good money. Like David Montgomery, for example. You pair a big bruiser of a back like David Montgomery with the style of play that Lamar Jackson has, and that's a hell of a one-two punch, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and who knows what some of the other – you know, Melvin Gordon is still floating about in the NFL. I would not be surprised if Baltimore – the Chiefs now. Oh, did he sign with the Chiefs? I didn't see that. Yep. Um, great signing for the Chiefs, in my opinion. Um, now he's just got to play for the Raiders, and he's got the whole AFC West trifecta there. Um, but <laughs> <clears throat> let's head on to the Sunday night matchup where the Philadelphia Eagles pick up their 10th win of the season, downing the Packers 40 to 33. The Packers lose their eighth game of the year and seventh loss in their last eight games. But we got to see Jordan Love play and he looked rather impressive. And Darius Slay himself stated that despite what a lot of pundits want you to believe, Jordan Love was not playing against a prevent defense. The Philadelphia Eagles were going all out against Jordan Love, and he finished the game 6 of 9 for 113 yards and a touchdown, and he had another dropped touchdown pass as well. So, Mitch, Philadelphia broke their own franchise single-game rushing record with 363 Mm -hmm. rushing yards against Green Bay. But what were your thoughts on Packers versus Eagles? And what were your thoughts on getting to see Jordan Love in prime time uh, against the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, it might not have looked at it because there wasn't as many of big plays, but they're able to put more rushing yards on us than what Colin Kaepernick did to us in that playoff game. Yeah, That's right. how bad the rush defense was. Um, I mean, I thought for the most part the offense was pretty good. Aaron Rodgers had some really bad interceptions, but if you take that out of the equation, you know, I thought he was pretty efficient going against this kind of defense, uh, was able to do stuff, but, um, and the running attack, I like they got AJ Dillon more involved and he was looking more like himself from last year and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, Jordan Love came in and I was really impressed with what he was able to do. Um, the decision-making looked awesome the way that he was just slinging it to guys and it was coming in Chris. I mean, there was that one drop uh, by Aaron Jones, but. Oh, the back shoulder caught, pass on the yeah, sideline. That was a caught, thing of beauty. But, um, yeah, but I think Aaron Nagler brought it up, but he kind of talked about how um, I, that he thought Aaron Jones just was not expecting to be that accurate to that coming in that fast. And so he was just able to catch it. So he's been expecting that kind of greatness. Um, 
and then Christian Watson's touchdown was uh, gorgeous. It, it's really weird to see uh, a Green Bay wide receiver just able to out uh, speed these guys because that's typically not the kind of style of wide receiver that we have. So it's really nice to see a different kind of wide receiver, and he had an amazing game. Um, but, yeah, the defense just – I mean, I don't know what you do. It's just kind of insane that how, how many defensive corners that we've had and none of them – are able to have a, a defense that's able to tackle. I think Matt LaFleur said at the end of the day they had 22 missed tackles. I mean, I don't know how you're supposed to beat a team like that. The rush defense, like I already said, was garbage. The secondary has been horrible, especially the safety position. And the guys like Adrian Amos, who's supposed to be that solid defender, is taking steps back and it's probably not going to be here next year. So it's just horrible uh, that way. Um, but, yeah, uh for a team that was kind of reeling and almost losing to the likes of the Colts, this was a really good get right for game for them. Um, the offense was amazing, uh, especially that rushing attack and the defense played pretty well for the most part, except for, you know, some drives here and there, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, defensively, what I'll start with is Kenny Clark has been a non-factor since the win against Tampa Bay. Like it's as simple as that. He's played pretty bad since the game against Tampa Bay in week three. What I'll also say is fucking Quay Walker is a beast of a player, but when Quay Walker is next to Isaiah McDuffie, you're going to have a hard time rushing, stopping the run. Green Bay desperately misses Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell. I, I, they really do. And while I've made my points that Devondre Campbell was not. Well, Barnes has been playing. I thought he was out in that game. No, Chris Barnes is playing. Uh, he had like six tackles about that but yeah he was starting well, the game next to shit. Walker. every fucking third down then for some reason isaiah mcduffie was out there which makes no fucking sense to me um but even with chris barnes this team still desperately misses Demondre campbell um jair alexander had another great game i thought rasul douglas you know gave up that touchdown to kenneth gainwell but i, I didn't think he looked terrible but yeah the safety position is is rough right now um and the defensive line is just rough. You're not getting a pass rush. You're not utilizing your first round pick in Devontae Wyatt. You're not. It, the defense is just bad. It's as simple as that. And this was a defense that all three of us walked into the season and said, on paper, this is a, a top 10 defense. We saw how good the defense was last year without Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith for the vast majority of the year. And now you get Jair back this season and and your defense has just looked horrible now it doesn't help when you're calling a 20 yard off ball coverage on third and 15 don't fucking get me wrong but that's that's where i don't know what's going through joe barry's head green bay's just got to make some changes um here's what i'll say about jordan love i loved what i saw i loved what i saw and i and i sat there on a hill and i got into a screaming match with skyler last year after the game against kansas city where you and me both said Jordan Love outplayed Patrick Mahomes in that game. The Packers didn't win, but Jordan Love outplayed Patrick Mahomes. We've known that this guy has the talent to, to be a very good quarterback, but does he have the knowledge? Does he have the confidence? Does he have the ability? I loved what I saw out of him using his feet. I loved his eyes downfield. That back shoulder pass to Aaron Jones that he dropped who in his defense, Aaron Jones has been known to have slippery hands at times. Um, 
was, I mean, Aaron Rodgers couldn't have thrown that ball in a better position. It was a back shoulder fade to the sideline. It was a beautiful pass to hit Christian Watson in stride on the touchdown like that. A beautiful read. He's got to clean up a couple of fundamentals, but quarterback coaches and stuff talk all the time about year three is where you expect to see that large jump in a quarterback. And we've seen it across the board with a lot of guys. And this is year three for Jordan Love. And and so I'll pose a question to my host here, or my co-host. Mitch, the Packers aren't officially out of the playoffs, but effectively are. Three games behind Washington, who's got the tiebreaker on him with five games left in the season. Green Bay's got Chicago this week before a bye week. Do you start Jordan Love the rest of the season, or do you let Aaron Rodgers go out and play one more hurrah game against the Bears and let Love close out the last four games? Well, from what Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have been saying, Aaron Rodgers is going to play until maybe they're mathematically eliminated. Even that's not a for sure possibility. Um, And it's just kind of perplexing as a fan, like, on the one hand, you want to see your team win, so you want to see Aaron Rodgers go in there. But on the other hand, for the long-term success of uh, the team, you kind of need to see what you have in Jordan Love because you've got that fifth-year option, and it's like $20 million guaranteed. And that's a lot to pay to a guy when you don't know if he can. Uh, like, he had a nice game, you know, against the – or two nice drives against the Eagles, but – can he do that during a 17 game season? I don't know yet. He's shown it's been night and day since that chiefs game. I'll give you that, but you know, we don't know for sure yet. And that's why we need to see him in more games. Um, But yeah, if it was my decision, I was Brian Gutekunst. I would definitely sit Rogers. I mean, he's got a broken thumb. He's got rib injuries. And if you're not going to be trading him and he's not going to retire, it doesn't make sense to have him go into another 17 game stretch and have injuries that haven't fully healed. So, and he's going to be like 39. So I would sit him see we have in Jordan love because you have that crucial fifth year option coming up um, and see if Jordan love can be the guy. Um, otherwise then, you know, maybe tank for Caleb Williams or uh, Drake may next year. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a good point as the season stand, if the season were to end right now, I believe green Bay would have the seventh overall pick in the draft. Seventh or eighth, something along those lines. High enough that if a guy like CJ Stroud falls, you could feasibly get him. Or high enough that with a trade combination, you could move up to draft a quarterback. But you spent a first-round pick on Jordan Love. We don't know the situation with Aaron Rodgers. You've got guys like Rashawn Gary and Elton Jenkins, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, all of these guys, Kenny Clark as well, all of these guys have upcoming contracts in the future. You're going to pay Aaron Jones $20 million next year, and you're only giving the guy the ball about 15 times a game. There's tough financial questions for the Packers. And, and I think that what I hope is that by them cutting Jonathan Abram and elevating Enos Gaines, that this is a team that's understanding where they are in the playoff race and is understanding that, with five games left in the season, I've got to see what I have in my young pieces. And and I would like to see them close the game out, getting the opportunities to watch Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Jordan Love all play together because we didn't even get to see that in preseason. Remember, Christian Watson was hurt the entire preseason. So we only got to see Love and Dobbs, and they looked really good together. Now you put Christian Watson in there, who's had six touchdowns over the last four four games now, three games now. Um, 
it, I, I'm very curious to see what, what the Packers do. Plus, oh my God. And, and now I'm just running through it even further in my head. Rob, Bob Tanyan's on the last year of his contract. Um, John Runyon's got a contract coming up in two years. David Bakhtiari is going to cost you 30 plus million dollars over the next few yeah. seasons. Crosby's contract is up, I believe, after the season. Crosby's contract is up, but it's time for Green Bay to move on from Mason Crosby. I I, I do believe that. Um, there's there's lots of questions, and let's not forget you're also paying you also extended Preston Smith out, and you're paying him a little bit more money as well. So there's massive questions there, but that defense has to get better. I I I would love to see Green Bay make a de- another defensive coordinator change, but at the end of the day, it's like Chamberlain. we've brought in we've brought in how many guys, and none of them have worked out at all. So what's going to be the difference, right? Maybe we just are doomed to have bad defenses. Who knows? Well, maybe draft people who can actually tackle instead of just trying to get athletes. Maybe, right? Who knows? Shocker, shocker when that works sometimes. But let's move on to our NFL picks. We're going to start off on Thursday night with an AFC East showdown. Uh, sorry, actually, before we move on to our picks, let's give an updated playoff uh, race uh, view for the AFC and the NFC. As it stands right now, the Kansas City Chiefs sit at the one seat, followed up by AFC East division leader, the Miami Dolphins at number two. We've got Tennessee and Baltimore leading the South and the North to wrap up our division leaders. And as the playoff race stands now, our wildcard teams are Buffalo at eight and three, Cincinnati at seven and four, and the Jets at seven and four. On the outside looking in, feasibly only New England and Los Angeles, the Chargers, are playoff eligible. Following them is Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and Las Vegas, who are all four and seven or four, seven, and one, among a couple of other teams. But it really comes down to those top seven and then New England and the Chargers on the outside looking in. Heading looks over to, the, to me. Yeah. Heading over to the NFC. It I, looks pretty good to me as well. At the one seed, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. At number two, we have Minnesota. Now, here's an interesting thing. If Minnesota wins this week and Detroit loses, the Vikings would become the first NFL team to lock up a playoff spot, winning the <sighs> NFC North. I know. I hate it. And the and the Packers don't even factor into the McClitchan either. It's the Detroit Lions. It's, and it's because the Lions beat Green Bay. Um, yeah, they're second in the division. Uh, so um, after Minnesota at number two, we've got San Francisco at number three. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because somebody's got to win the NFC South at five and four, they would get a home playoff game. In the wild card, it's all the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys <laughs> at number five. The New York Giants at number six, the Washington Commanders at number seven. Who'd have fucking thunk that that's how that would work out at the beginning of the year? Not any of us, right? Um, on the outside looking in, Seattle sits at six and five, about a half game back from Washington. Following them is Atlanta and Detroit, but realistically, you know, Atlanta's got a shot at the playoffs only because of how tight the NFC South is, but. It, it kind of seems like with the exception of maybe if Seattle can pull off a couple of late season wins here, maybe if San Francisco or the Giants fall apart here, they can get in. It really kind of seems like our top seven might already be set for the NFC. It just matters as to the order. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the top seven for the most part is set. Just, but I don't know about that four spot with the NFC South. I mean, if Tampa Bay keeps regressing like they've had and the offense just looks discombobulated in Atlanta 
or Carolina can get something going together. I wouldn't surprise me there. So, uh, but, but besides that, I feel like the others are locks and, and the, their spots as well. Um, and when it comes to the AFC, I mean, the Patriots and the Chargers could do something, but I feel like that top seven is deadlocked and maybe it switches between Buffalo and Miami, just however the season pans out. But those are, but I feel like all in all, these are going to be your teams. I don't, I don't really see uh, a team really upsetting and getting in there from how they've been playing lately. Yeah, it is interesting to note with Buffalo, they've already lost two divisional games to the Dolphins and to the Jets. And of their remaining six games, four of them are in division. The other two are against Chicago and Cincinnati. So by no means is Buffalo in the driver's seat in the AFC East. And for a team that a lot of us predicted to be a Super Bowl uh, a contender, they may not even win their own division. Now, that's not the end-all be-all, but it is important to note. So let's head over on Thursday Night Football, AFC East Showdown, Buffalo versus New England. In terms of injuries, Damian Harris, Isaiah Wynn out for New England. Uh, Von Miller, uh, Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morris, A.J. Epinesa, and Gregory Rousseau all out for Buffalo. So three of your starting defensive linemen or linebackers are out for the Bills. Skyler is taking the Bills to pull off the win. Mitch, Buffalo, New England, who are you picking? Um. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Buffalo as well. Um, you know, kind of after watching that Vikings Patriots game, I really thought it was a good trap game for the Patriots to get that win. Um, especially with being in prime time, but Vikings were able to figure it out, and I think the Bills, for the most part, outside of having the Delvin Cook, are kind of similar offensively. So I feel like Stefan Diggs or Gabriel Davis can have a similar type game. So I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. I'm actually going to take the New England Patriots, and and here's why. Buffalo has effectively played three consecutive road games and will play uh, their third game in 12 days here. Um, they played Cleveland on uh, in Detroit on uh, November 20th. They then went back to Detroit to play the Lions on the 24th. And now they're traveling to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. This is already a very banged up Buffalo team. Um, and, and while they're getting guys like Tredavious White back, which I think is absolutely massive, this is a Buffalo team that's been marred by injuries. Josh Allen is still not 100%, and we've seen it play. And New England's going to run the football down their fucking throat. They're going to, uh, Ramondre Stevenson is having another fantastic year. Um, Mac Jones is is looking a little bit better with each week here. I'm going to take New England to pull off the upset and beat Buffalo at home to make that AFC East just look all the more interesting to watch. Um, underdog? Yeah, why not? Well, no. Let me think about it. It might be my underdog. Let me think about it. Um, why not? No. <laughs> uh, Mitch, we'll move on here. As the uh, Washington Commanders will travel to New York to take on the Giants as it stands right now, this is the battle between the sixth and seventh seed in the NFC. Um, first time we're going to see these two teams match up against each other, and they're going to play each other again in just a couple of, or in two weeks after this. Uh, the Giants have the Eagles next, and then the Commanders once again. Um, in terms of injuries, uh, Leonard Williams, Darnay, uh, Darnell Holmes, sorry, Darnay Holmes, um, and Dane Belton all questionable for the Giants. 
for uh, the commanders, Chase Young, Benjamin St. Just, um, and uh, Logan Thomas, all questionable for them. Uh, commanders, Giants, who are you taking? I'm going to go with Washington. Um, you know, the putting back Taylor Heineke at the quarterback's position has done wonders for them. The offense is looking great. It's kind of rolling. Uh, Chase Young, I believe, is supposed to be coming back this week, I think. That's the hope. Uh, yeah. So with all those four guys, um, I think Evan Neal's still out. So you really only have your pro bowler and Andrew Thomas, who's been having a fantastic season. And, uh, you know, what a turnaround by him, because especially that first couple of games of rookie year, we're like, man, they fucked up again. But yeah. now he's, he, but now he's solidified himself and he's looking better than some of those guys. So um, to me, they only have real one guy up front. And I just feel like they're going to be able to pressure Daniel Jones and force him into those mistakes that he's going to be prone to. So I'm going to go with Washington. Skyler is also going to pick the commanders and I'm going to make it three for three and pick the commanders as well. It was not too long ago that the giants sat at six and one and were only behind the Eagles by the one game difference. Since then, They've lost three of their last four games. Their only win, a close eight-point win against the worst team in football, the Houston Texans, um, but losses to Detroit, a loss to Dallas. This is just a Giants team that is really skidding right now. And we knew this whole year that their offense was primarily focused around Saquon Barkley, and their defense was what was going to be the difference maker for them. Um, and this is a Washington team – that's very difficult to run the ball against. Only 108 given up rushing yards per game. Um, they did a great job of holding Philadelphia, one of the best rushing teams in the NFL, if not the best, um, to limited yards in that huge upset win. I'm going to also take Washington to pull off the win and hopscotch the New York Giants in terms of the playoff race there. Um, we'll move on here. As the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off of coming uh, coming hot off of their Monday night win against the Indianapolis Colts, will take on the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Falcons are coming off of a 19-13 to 13 loss to Washington. The Falcons have lost three of their last four games. Um, in terms of injuries, Minka Fitzpatrick, Miles Jack, Larry Ogunjobi, and Najee Harris are all questionable for Pittsburgh. Um, for uh, Atlanta, Kyle Pitts had season-ending season uh, surgery. He's out. Um, Atlanta did designate Elijah Wilkerson, um, to return from injured reserve, but we don't know if he's going to play or not. Um, and Shume, uh, Adoga, their other tackle and Arnold Ebiketti are both questionable Pittsburgh versus Atlanta, Mitch, who are you taking? I'm going go with the Steelers. I, I think last week's game was huge for Kenny Pickett because, uh, you know, it, he finally sh kind of showed why he was the number one guy taking him at the quarterback position last year. And I think it's a huge confidence builder for him to have that kind of game and resulted in a win. So I feel like he brings his uh, confidence going forward. Um, you know, the secondary outside of AJ Terrell is not that great. So I think George Pickens is going to be able to have another great game. Um, and with another week on by TJ Watt just gets that much healthier and him and Alex Highsmith have shown to be a great duo. And I feel like, you know, we talk about every year about Atlanta's offensive line sucks, and I think they're going to get after Marcus Mariota. Um, so I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to stack another win. Yeah, it's going to be nice. Hopefully TJ Watt can avenge some of the, um, uh, uh, you know, 
Rose Bowl hate that Wisconsin has taken from Oregon these last couple of times. Um, but uh, Skyler is taking the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to agree with Mitch and take the Pittsburgh Steelers um, just because of that really potent one-two combination of TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. That's that's a hell of a one-two combination. Atlanta doesn't really have pass rushers to take advantage of Pittsburgh's really porous offensive line. Um, but what I really liked out of Pittsburgh in that game wasn't so much uh, the game against Indianapolis, wasn't so much the play of Kenny Pickett, but what we saw out of guys like Anthony McFarland and Benny Snell, those two guys went 18 carries for 92 yards and a touchdown in that game. Pittsburgh has the ability to run the ball. They just don't necessarily do it very effectively. I think they're going to have a couple of better opportunities against Atlanta, um, and I'm going to pick the Steelers to pull off the win as well. Um, We will head on to Chicago as the Green Bay Packers will take on the Chicago Bears. Green Bay won their first matchup earlier in the year, uh, 27 to 10. The Packers, as I stated, losers of seven of their last eight games. Meanwhile, Chicago has lost, what, five straight, I believe? Five straight games um, as well. In terms of injuries, uh, Justin Fields, we still don't know his status for this game. Um, quite yet, but Chase Claypool, Kendall Vildor, uh, Kyler Gordon, and Jaquan Brisker are all questionable. For Green Bay, Elton Jenkins, Devondre Campbell, David Bakhtiari, and Romeo Dobbs are all questionable as well. Uh, Skyler is taking the Packers. Mitch, Packers, Bears, who are you taking? Yeah, I don't know if Justin Fields is going to be playing in this one because the Bears just signed a quarterback, uh, Tim Boyle, to the roster. So Former Packer quarterback. Yeah, we're going to get that Tim it might be a sign that the Tim Boyle laser show is going to be happening. Um, but with Justin Fields not playing, I'm going to go with the Packers just because I was a little bit worried given how bad the rush defense is. And we know what Justin Fields can do with his legs and with David Montgomery. So I feel like they might've been able to take advantage of that, but if it's going to be, uh, you know, some schmuck or uh, TBLS, um, I feel like the Packers can get it done. Um, I think the, between losing Eddie Jackson uh, for the rest of the year and trading away Rokon Smith, Robert Quinn, all that, the defense. And losing Darno. Oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about the defense. Yeah, defense. No, you're fine. Um, I feel like they're going to be able to, with the personnel that we do have, and if Aaron Rodgers can keep up the play that we kind of saw in Philadelphia outside of the dumb uh, interceptions, um, he should be able to win this game. And like you were going to allude to, Brady, Darmel Mooney, their best – passing game option that is now out for the season. So outside of Dave Montgomery, I really don't think there's going to be a threat. So the Packers should be able to win this one. Yeah. Skyler's taking the Packers. I'm going to very hesitantly take the Packers as well. Um, I would not be surprised if Chicago wins this game. Devondre Campbell was limited to practice. Getting him back would go a long way to green Bay solidifying that rushing defense. Um, I don't think Chicago has the ability to take advantage of uh, the issues that Green Bay's had in the secondary, right? We haven't seen anything out of Vilas Jones Jr. Even if Chase Claypool is healthy, the dude has had, I believe, four catches in his time since joining Chicago. Um, I'm going to take Green Bay, but this is this is a big rivalry game. And, and this is the thing is that Green Bay's heading into a bye week here. This is a get-right game. If you're not going to make the playoffs, you want to at least have momentum going down the stretch heading into next season. This is your opportunity to do that. You're one and two in division so far. 
get back to even, sweep the Bears. You'll feel a lot better about this season. Trust me. I'm going to take, take the, the all-time lead. Take the all-time wins lead as well. That's what's very interesting. If Green Bay wins, they can become uh, the first team since 1921 to take the all-time wins lead from the Chicago Bears, which is crazy. Now, we've been saying that every week now since like week five. But um, uh, it, it's crazy that it's a head-to-head matchup there. Um, we will head on down to the Battle of the Big Cats as the 4-7 and seven Jacksonville Jaguars will take on the 4-7 and seven Detroit Lions. The Jags coming off of that big win against Baltimore. They've won two of their last three games. And Detroit, after starting the year 1-6, and six, rattled off three consecutive wins before that heartbreaking loss to Buffalo. Um, in terms of injuries, Detroit has indicated Jamison Williams has gone to practice. He may be in this game. They don't know yet. But Jeff Akuda, Penny Sewell, Frank Ragnow, um, and uh, Ifete Melifanwu, all questionable for the Lions. Um, for Jacksonville, Travis Etienne and Zay Jones, questionable for them. Skyler's taking the Lions. Mitch, Jags, Lions, who you taking? Yeah, I mean, you know Ragnow's going to play. I mean, break his neck and he'll still play like we saw the yeah, right? season or two ago. Um, but, yeah, if Zay Jones is questionable, he had that huge game for them. That's very interesting. But I'm going to agree with Skyler. I'm going to go with the Lions. Um, you know, they've played a lot of good teams very close. I feel like the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, they had that amazing game, but can they be consistent and do it again against the Detroit Lions? It's at home. Um, when you're looking at the home and away records, Jacksonville one and four on the road, Lions slightly better two and four at home. Um, I feel like the Lions are going to be able to pick up win number five. Perfect. Um, uh, Mitch, is this your underdog? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, this is Skyler's underdog, though, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree, and I'm gonna take the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, uh, uh, all indications that I've seen is that Travis Etienne should be good to go to play in this game. Um, he was limited at practice here, but he should. The expectation is that he's gonna play. Um, but even if he doesn't, we've seen Christian Kirk show out. They've got Evan Ingram. Um, they have other weapons that they can utilize there, and and. You know, Trevor Lawrence has looked really good. Like, we don't talk about it, but this dude, 16 touchdowns, six interceptions on the year. He's looked really good so far this season. Um, I'm going to take Jacksonville to pull off the win. I'm still just not 100% trustful in that Detroit defense. And and I just, I don't know, in the Battle of the Big Cats, I'm going to take the one with the pretty polka dots. I'm going to go with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars to pull off the win. Um, Mitch, the New York football Jets led by Mike White. Oh, we didn't even talk about Mike White against the Bears, and that's my fault. Um, but Mike White wins his uh, season debut against Chicago. Uh, Mike White and the uh, Jets will travel to Minnesota to take on the 9-2 and two Vikings. Um, the Jets are coming off that win against Chicago. The Vikings uh, are coming off of that win against New England there after getting crushed by Dallas uh, the week beforehand. In terms of injuries, uh, Sheldon Rankins, Dwayne Brown, and Michael Carter, all questionable for the Jets. But for uh, Minnesota, the injury uh, list is piling up. Andrew Booth Jr. on injured reserve. Harrison Smith, Christian Darius are questionable. Who are you taking? Vikings, Jets. I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with the New York Jets. Um, is this your dog? Uh, no, they don't count. Minnesota is only a three-point favorite at home. Oh, you're right. Yep, you're right. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, 
But yeah, I'm going to go with the Jets just because I really liked what I saw out of Mike White. He was able to be consistent, get to the ball where it needs to be, really utilize Garrett Wilson and those playmakers and have this efficient, go- have this uh, offense humming. Um, and playing against a team like Minnesota, they have a really good offense, sure. But Sauce Garner has been one of the best defensive backs um, in the league this year. And I think he can match up well against Justin Jefferson. Um, and with the, uh, you know, uh, the Vikings defense has been better, but it's mostly been the front seven and those two edge rushers, but that secondary is bad. And with Andrew Booth uh, being out for the year, I think Cam Dantzler is still questionable, all that kind of stuff. Um, the, they have one of the worst secondaries, I believe statistically uh, in the NFL. So I feel like with Mike White and Garrett Wilson and some of the other guys that they have, you know, Denzel Mims has been going, Corey Davis, um, Elijah Moore. I feel like they'll be able to take care of, air of that poor secondary and uh, get the upset win. Yeah, I I keep picking against Minnesota, and I keep getting the pick wrong. So I'm going to take my Green Bay Packer approach. I'm either going to be right or I'm going to be happy. I'm going to pick the Minnesota Vikings to win. Um, the matchup of Sauce Gardner versus Justin Jefferson is going to be premier football to watch. That Sauce Gardner is defensive rookie of the year in my mind. May even be defensive player of the year in, in some ways. Um, I think you can make a strong argument. Kirk Cousins has looked very good, but I I still just really worry about this about Minnesota's ability to run the ball. They're sub 100 rushing yards per game. They're very pass happy. They're barely pulling off these wins. Minnesota offensively points per game 23.8. Guess how many they're giving up per game? 23.4. By they're winning on average by a fourth of a point per game. Now, a large part of that was getting blown out 40 to three by Dallas. So take that with a grain of salt. But I'm going to pick the Vikings. I think this is a team that's shown their ability to win these close one score games. I think that front seven is going to be able to get pressure on Mike White. We've seen in some of his previous games, if you can get pressure on him, you can get him to force some pretty silly throws. They've still got a good linebacker core. I'm going to take the Vikings, but God damn, am I going to be rooting for the Jets? Um we will move on to the Tennessee Titans taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, a battle of division leaders. The Titans are coming off of uh, a loss, a barely a loss to Cincinnati. They lost in the last couple of seconds of that game um, after they had won three of their last four. Uh, Philadelphia is coming off of a win against Green Bay after barely beating Indianapolis the week before. In terms of injuries, Jeffrey Simmons, Ben Jones, and Danico Autry, all questionable for Tennessee. Um, for Philadelphia, C.J. Gardner-Johnson out and most likely out for the year. Um, Zach Pascal and Devontae Smith are questionable. Um, but here's some good news. Um, uh, uh, Dallas Goddard is on his way back. He's shooting for an appearance week 15 against Chicago. Not likely to play in this game, but should be coming back this season. Skyler's taking Tennessee to pull off the win, Mitch. Who are you taking? Titans-Eagles. <sighs> Also, yeah, I'm so is... sorry. Also, Jordan Davis is expected to make his return in this game. Okay. Um, this is a really tough one, but I think I'm gonna go with Skyler. Um, just because for me, you know, these are two teams that love to run the ball, and you know, the Eagles can certainly are better at the passing game, but it just comes down to who's gonna stop the run more. And Tennessee has the better rush defense. So I feel like 
Um, they might be able to do a lot better job at uh, you know, bottom lane in Jalen Hurts, make sure Miles Sanders doesn't have like a 200-yard game like he just did against Green Bay. Um, whereas, you know, we kind of saw with the Green Bay Packers uh, for how bad they've been this season, you know, Philadelphia being 10-1. and one, I mean, they only beat us by one score. Um, and, you know, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones were able to get some stuff going to the run game. And I feel like Derrick Henry can definitely get something going. So I'm going to go with Skyler and go with Tennessee. Go with Tennessee. Um, one second. Alrighty. Um, Skyler's taking the Titans. Um, I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles to pull off the win here. Um, you know who's been having a really great season? Nobody's talking about TJ fucking Edwards, the old Wisconsin boy. Um, he's having a great season at inside linebacker right now. Philadelphia's secondary, even without TJ Gardner Johnson, is still very good. And you know, Robert Woods has been a, no, a non-factor this season. Traylon Burks has been a non-factor this season. Austin Hooper has been a non-factor this season. Tennessee's only offense is Derrick Henry. It's their only offense. Philadelphia, with the additions they have on their defensive line, getting Jordan Davis back, I'm going to take the Eagles to stand strong against the running game and pull off the win. We will move on down as the Denver Broncos travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Now, here's an interesting thing. Lamar Jackson just signed with the Denver Broncos, the old Nebraska corner, that is. Not the Baltimore quarterback. Denver coming in three and eight and losers of their last three games, including uh, losses to Tennessee, Las Vegas, and Carolina. Meanwhile, the Ravens had been riding pretty high on a four-game win streak before this loss to – the Jacksonville Jaguars last week in terms of injuries, Jerry, Judy, KJ Hamler, Andrew Beck, and Draymond Jones, all questionable for Denver. Mike Boone though, the uh, halfback is designated to return from IR. So they might be getting some help back there for Baltimore. uh, Kyle Hamilton, Isaiah likely Lamar Jackson, Patrick McCarry and Marlon Humphrey, all questionable for them. Skyler's taking the Ravens, Mitch, Broncos, Ravens, who you taking? Ravens. Um, great opportunity to rebound from that Jacksonville loss and get back in that another winning streak. Uh, I just can't trust the Denver Broncos. I mean, their defense has been great, but I don't trust the offense, and unfortunately I can't trust Nathaniel Hackett from what he's shown me. So it's got to be Baltimore. Yeah, I got to agree. It's got to be Baltimore. The, the Ravens are better offensively, and they're just as good defensively in a lot of ways. Um, the Broncos right now are averaging 14.3 points per game. Um, if that holds, uh, let me double check the statistic here to make sure that I have it correctly. But if that holds, um, that would be the worst by any team in the NFL since 2000. Um, offensively, they're just historically dysfunctional. I got to take the Ravens here. Um, in what is Maybe the matchup that nobody wants to admit they're excited to see. Deshaun Watson will make his debut with the Cleveland Browns as he travels to Houston to take on his old team, the Texans. Uh, Cleveland coming off of that win against Tampa Bay. Houston, losers of, I believe, their last like six straight games, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six straight games. Um, sitting at one 
nine and one Houston made a quarterback change and went with Kyle Allen last week. And it did diddly for him Um, in terms of injuries, AJ green, David and Joku Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom, all questionable for Cleveland for Houston, Rex Burkhead, Malik Collins, Kenyon green, and Derek Stingley Jr. All questionable for the Texans. Skyler's taking uh, the Browns. Mitch, who you taking? Um, I'm principal. I got to pick Houston for obvious reasons, but uh, for a football reason, I mean, it's Deshaun Watson. Yes, of course, but Washington playing that preseason game, I think it's going to take him a while to get it back. I mean, he hasn't played football in a long time, and it's not like he really lit it up in his first action as a Cleveland Brown. Um, and it's not like he was going against really tough defenses. I mean, it's all cookie cutter, uh, very fluff defenses in the preseason. So if he's, he isn't able to get it going there, uh, I'm kind of worried about him going against a, a team that's actually trying to, you know, win the game. So I'm going to pick Houston. Skyler's taking Cleveland. I'm rooting for Houston. I want Houston to win. I'm going to pick Cleveland to win because at the end of the day, you can just give the ball to um, Derek or to Nick Chubb. And for and Houston's given up almost 170 rushing yards per game. Uh, for a Cleveland team that runs the ball really well, that's your path to victory. I, I agree that I think we're going to see a lot of rust on Deshaun Watson. I think it's going to take him some time to work with these guys. He was only allowed back at practice last week. Um, but I'm I'm still going to take Cleveland at one nine and one. It's hard for me to pick Houston. Um, but we'll move on to the uh, an NFC West showdown as the. Uh, six and five Seattle Seahawks will take on the three and eight Los Angeles Rams. Um, now, Matthew Stafford, we don't know his status fully yet for this game. Um, but here's an interesting, uh, you know, w- when we did our team preview, I went through a list of some of the Rams, you know, largest expenditures. Here is the uh, payroll of some of the guys who are going to be out for the Rams in this game or could be out. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 40 million a year. Aaron Donald, 31-6. Cooper Cup, 26-7. Allen Robinson, 15-5. Joseph Noteboom, 13-3. And Deshaun, or an Ashawn Robinson, $8.5 million. All those guys are either coming in hurt or going to be out for this game for the Rams. Um, for the uh, uh, Seahawks here, and now it's not, it's not going to work. Um, but anyway, uh, oh, no, here it goes. Okay. Uh, for the Seahawks, um, Travis Homer, questionable. Bruce Irvin, questionable. Damian Lewis, questionable. Al Woods, questionable. Mitch, Skyler's taking the Seahawks. Who are you taking? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Seattle as well. Um, for what I've seen, it's more likely that Matthew Stafford doesn't play. So I don't believe in Bryce Perkins. And with Aaron Donald missing his first game, I feel like the defense loses a lot of juice. So I'm going to go with Seattle Seahawks. Um, yeah, I'm taking Seattle also. I didn't hate what I saw out of Bryce Perkins last week against Kansas City. I thought he had some really good moments, but this should be an easy win for Seattle given the injuries. And and the fact that, you know, Kenneth Walker's looked really, really good so far this season. You've got Lockett, you've got Metcalf. This This should be a win for Seattle. But if Seattle loses, their chances of the playoffs start to diminish pretty quickly here. Um, given that I believe they've still got another matchup against San Francisco this season uh, as well. Yes. In a couple of weeks here. Um, So uh, we're all going to take Seattle. Um, Mitch, Mike McDaniel is going to take on his old mentor, Kyle Shanahan as the division leading Miami dolphins 
will take on the division leading San Francisco 49ers. Um, four injuries here. Uh, Jerome Baker, Raquan Davis, and Miles Gaskin all questionable. Teron Armstead is doubtful. His likelihood to play in this game, very low. However, San Francisco is also dealing with some injuries. Trent Williams, questionable. He's looking less and less like he's going to play in this game. Elijah Mitchell out. Christian McCaffrey's missed the last couple of practice with an injury, and so has Debo Samuel. Skyler's taking the Niners. Mitch, who you taking? I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins as my underdog. Um, I just feel like Miami is a, a a more complete team. I like what they do offensively better than uh, what San Francisco, San Francisco does. And even though Miami's defense might not be as dominant as the 49ers have been, I still think they're good enough to get the job done. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Mike McDaniel uh, beating his old boss. Yeah, I, because you took the Miami pick, I'm going to say that New England is my underdog pick uh, from earlier. Uh, but I'm also going to take Miami to pull off the win here. Um, just with some of the injuries San Francisco has, the Miami defense has looked very good. I don't I don't know if uh, San Francisco has the answers at corner to stop Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I, I just, I really don't. Um, and that you add on that, you know, the guy that San Francisco traded to Miami, Jeff Wilson Jr., um, has played really quite well for Miami these last couple of weeks. And they have the other San Francisco cast off Raheem Mostert there as well. Um, I, I like what Sam, I like what Miami's building right now. I'm going to take the dolphins to pull off the win. Um, wrapping up here, last couple of games, we have the Los Angeles chargers traveling to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. Um, the chargers coming off of that win against the, against a uh, one point win, a last second win against the Cardinals last week. Um, and the Raiders coming off of uh, not only an overtime win to Seattle, but back-to-back overtime wins. The Raiders sit at 4-7 and seven on the year. In terms of injuries, uh, Joey Bosa is on injured reserve, but he has been designated to return. Um, or no, I'm so sorry. Um, he was not designated to return. Um, I apologize um, for that. Derwin James questionable. Bryce Callahan questionable. Mike Williams questionable for the Chargers. Um, for the Raiders... Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro still on injured reserve. Um, neither of them expected to play. Colton Miller and Josh Jacobs, both questionable as well. Skyler is taking the Raiders to pull off the win. Mitch, who you take? Um, I'm going to go with the Chargers. Uh, I know the Raiders had a big win the last week against Seattle, and it looks like things are going right, but I don't know. I, I need to see him do it two times in a row, looking that great before I can consistently pick them. Um, and I feel like the Chargers are trending a little bit better. Um, so I'm going to go with them. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you and take the Chargers. Um, the Chargers have had issues, you know, outside of their division and with, you know, anybody not or and with um, Kansas City. But, they, you know, Justin Herbert's been rather successful against Los Angeles or against Las Vegas and against um, uh, Denver. I, I like the uh, Chargers to pull off the win here. You get Austin Eckler going. Um, and even if Bosa, you know, doesn't go, is injured there, you've still got Khalil Mack. Um, and the Chargers defense has looked better these last couple of weeks after looking pretty awful to start the season out. I'm going to take the Chargers to pull off the win and get to 7-5 and five on the year. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs will travel to Cincinnati in a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. We have uh, 
right now a playoff team in Cincinnati taking on a playoff team in Kansas City. Um, Kansas City sitting at the one seed as it stands right now. In terms of injuries, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Tooney, and Jarek McKinnon all questionable. For Cincinnati, Joe Mixon still questionable, but he did return to practice on a limited basis. And Jamar Chase still questionable, but he is also practicing right now. Skyler's taking the uh, Bengals to pull off the win. Mitch, who are you taking? Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Uh, I feel like I would be an idiot to bet against them. Uh, Mahomes has been peak Mahomes. Um, uh, he's able to use his weapons. Travis Kelsey has been balling out. I feel like the Chiefs defense has been pretty solid, um, especially Chris Jones. He's just having a, a fantastic season. And how bad that Bengals line has been, I feel like he'll just uh, get – uh, be able to get after Joe Burrow all day. Um, and I feel like they're finally having the, a running game now that they switched to uh, rookie phenom Isaiah Pinchenko. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Um, uh, yeah, I'm taking Kansas City also. Um, Kansas City's done it in a number of ways, but defensively, people are sleeping on the Chiefs. They've looked very good so far this year. Um, they're only giving up 357 total yards, about 100 rushing, about 250 passing. They've looked very good. Meanwhile, Cincinnati's just been inconsistent. They ran into a tough defense against Tennessee, and they pulled off the win. But I I still, you know, not a fully healthy Jamar Chase, not a full, fully healthy Joe Mixon. Can this team keep pace with Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and some of these other guys they got? I don't know. I'm going to take the Chiefs to pull off the win and avenge the AFC title loss last year. Uh, moving on to Sunday Night Football, the Indianapolis Colts, for some goddamn reason, play their second consecutive primetime game as they take on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Skyler's taking the Cowboys in terms of injuries. Quiddy Pay, Kenny Moore, um, and Jelani Woods, all questionable for um, Indianapolis. For Dallas, uh, James Washington, uh, still on injured reserve, uh, but he did return to practice. Michael Gallup, questionable. Trayvon Diggs questionable, and so is Demarcus Lawrence and J. Ron Curse. Mitch, who are you taking? It's going to be fun to see those worst clock management, Mike McCarthy or Jeff Saturday. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas. Um, I don't know. I I think their offense is get a lot more rounded, especially with them leaning into Tony Pollard a lot more. I feel like the defense is going to be able to get after Matt Ryan, especially since he's after having, you know, a solid comeback game, he's been going back to that turnover ways, and you can't do it, especially against a ball hawk like uh, Trayvon Diggs. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cowboys as well. Um, the Cowboys have issues with rush defense. We saw it in the loss to Green Bay. And, and the Colts are getting better at running the ball, but only when they actually call running plays. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had five carries, I think, that entire first half against Pittsburgh. He's your best fucking player. Put the ball in his hands like Christ. I, I, I just don't understand the Colts at all. With that being said, though, I'm taking the Cowboys. Dak Prescott looked a little bit better as the weeks have gone by. Um, Dallas, you know, is coming off of not only a blowout win against the number two seed in the NFL or in the NFC right now in Minnesota, but just beat another playoff team in the Giants. They should be able to handle a seven loss Colts team. I'm going to take the Cowboys to wrap it up on Monday Night Football. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will take on the New Orleans Saints. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are at five and six. The Saints are at four and eight. With a Saints win, the NFC South gets even more interesting. 
Skyler's taking Tampa Bay. Um, in terms of injuries, Alvin Kamara, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, questionable. So is uh, Peyton Turner for Tampa Bay. Sean Murphy, Bunton, Bunting, Luke Decky, Leonard Fournette, uh, all questionable. Logan Ryan still on injured reserve, but he was designated to return. Um, and Russell Gage questionable as well. Mitch, uh, Saints, Bucks, who are you taking? I'm going to go with the Saints. Uh, uh, I feel like they do one. They play very well against Tom Brady, and especially with this, uh, you know, this team reeling. I think this is a prime opportunity to get one of those uh, classic upsets of the Saints over Tom Brady. So Saints it is. Yeah, Tom Brady picked up his first regular season win uh, against the Saints since joining Tampa Bay earlier this season. Um, but Tampa Bay won that game because the Saints turned the ball over. The Tampa Bay defense has not been as dominant as they have been in the past. They haven't been forcing turnovers. If Andy Dalton can hold on to the ball, the Saints have a chance to win. Um, if they get the ball into Alvin Kamara's hands, if he's 100% ready to go, the Saints have a good opportunity to win. And Chris Olave's looked great. I'm going to take the Saints also to pull off the win. So that is our NFL um, Week in Review and Prediction episode. We appreciate you all for tuning in. Um, follow us on uh, Twitter, on Spotify. Email us your guys' thoughts at fourthstringsp at gmail.com and have a fantastic night. Hopefully, when we come back next time, we're going to be talking about um, uh, college football coaching carousel. We're going to be continuing with the NFL. We're going to be doing an NBA check-in episode here very quickly. Um, uh, NCAA basketball has started up here. Um, and, you know, the World Cup's going on. The U.S. is going to take on the Dutch uh, here as they move on to the knockout round. Um, so we, uh, remember everybody, if you have a, an extra testicle, please, uh, donate it to Christian Pulisic. He could really use it after that game against Iran. Uh, but we appreciate you guys for tuning in and have a fantastic night.